Good morning, church. Good to see you guys. Thanks for clapping. I feel so honored. I didn't do anything, but I love you guys too. You know, as I was worshiping this morning, I, my heart is, is moved. Um, I just feel like there is a fresh wind on the church of God in our age. Um, and there's been prophecies about it. I don't know how you interpret that idea of prophecies, but God still speaks. Um, it's, it's clear throughout the scripture. And there is a prophecy going through that there is a fresh wind blowing through the bride of Christ. And I'm just so glad to see it happening, even in our, in our own church, in our own context. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Zach, and I have the honor of being campus pastor here at this church. And it's so good to be with you today. We continue a teaching series called Wonder. And we're talking about what it means to be awakened to worship. We're sort of unpackaging this ancient term. And today we're going to kind of focus in on whole person worship, whole person, person worship. But before we jump in, as, as mentioned, today is Group Sunday. Um, I just realized I'm so caffeinated right now. <laughs> I have, I have had so much coffee and I forgot to eat. I had like a nice peanut butter and honey sandwich over there. I just didn't get to it. And so I'm just like coffee elated right now. But I am also excited about Group Sunday. So if you're new, it's a little bit different. Thank you. It's a little hydration. Thank you. Um, and so it's an opportunity for us to be intentional. How many of you guys know we just live in a very chaotic world? We need to be intentional and purposeful and strategic about kind of countering the strategy of the world and the enemy to like isolate us, right? It's so easy to be isolated. So this is our effort to do that. And so we're just not meant to live life alone. So I'm excited for today. I want to highlight a couple, maybe three groups today, um, not because they're more important, but because I think they're fundamental to our church. And the first one is our men's group. And so if you are a man, um, I want to encourage you to come unite and like lock shields with us and let's do life together and grow in relationship. And the other one is our women's group. I think it's so important to have friendship and to grow together, to carry faith together. And the last one is called The Way. And this is a brand new kind of like pilot that I'll be leading every Wednesday. And so if you're, if you're like, man, I am hurting, come and get healing at this place. You're like, oh man, I, I just feel numb. I don't, I feel powerless. Come get activated. <laughs> on, on, on this night. And also if you're, so that's for established members and for new people. I think specifically, maybe even new people, if you're being integrated into our church, what's this community all about? What's the direction, the vision, the priorities? Um, I'll, I would love to kind of share those things with you. So for established members and new people alike. All right, let's jump into the teaching text. If you could rise with me, um, I'm switching things up for text. Sorry, this is the Zephaniah passage. And so let's read this together. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will exalt you by his love. Sorry, excuse me. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're in our midst. <laughs> just that fact alone, sometimes we just need to remind ourselves you are in our midst. 
And so would you continue to walk in the room and just provide a tangible presence of your nearness? We thank you that you are singing over us. Just this idea just moves my heart. You are singing over us and you're quieting us. Life can be so noisy and chaotic. You're quieting us with your love, exalting over us. And so would you have your way today as we awaken to worship and learn how to live whole? Would you speak today? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I want to start off today by telling you something really profound, okay? Something with a lot of substance, I think. And it's this. If there's one thing that I want you to leave remembering, it's going to be this, okay? You are not an octopus. I know, I know. It's revolutionary. Thank you, Zach. I didn't know that I wasn't an octopus. So I just want to tell you, though, you're not an octopus. So don't listen to the world. Don't listen to your friends or social media. You are not an octopus. So I have a point with this track with me. Octopi are kind of weird, right? They're just a little bit weird. And so first thing is you're not an octopus because you're not that weird. Some of you guys are a little bit weird, but not that weird. Let's make this actually a little less weird. There we go. Happy octopus. So if you're new here, you're like, what is this pastor doing? But I have a point. So I want to explain why you're not an octopus by telling you a quick story about an octopus. Well, actually two of them. So one day, two young octopi fall in love and they decide to get married. And so they go on a lovely octopus honeymoon. And lo and behold, Mommy octopus becomes just that. She becomes mommy octopus. And because of the life cycle of an octopus, daddy octopus almost immediately dies. And just, that's just how it works with an octopus. It's weird. And so mommy octopus is pregnant with multiple eggs and eventually she gives birth. And then essentially she's going to take a big mouthful of seawater. This is actually like biologically the case big gulp of seawater, and then she'll just spew all that seawater and spread her ripe eggs out as far as she possibly can and scatter her babies, never to see their father or their mother or their family again. However, everything that an octopus needs to be an octopus and, and survive and thrive even is encoded in their DNA. Everything they need to multiply and to live over the millennia and to flourish in the ocean is already inside them. No one has to teach them anything or show them anything or help them love them or help them practice anything. All the truth and the training that this octopus needs is inside its little octopus heart. And so here's, here's my connection. Here's the fact of the matter. In many ways, the world and media and movies and the school systems, and I can go on and on, are essentially telling us that we're octopi. There's a correlation. It's, it's, you're not made in the image of God. You're more animalistic, and you could just go do it by yourself. The world is telling us that we, can be, that we should be individualistic, that we should be self-reliant. Everything you have is right inside you. Just follow your heart. 
And if you feel it, it must be true, right? You feel it, it must be true. And the fact of the matter with that is that is like a lie that is pervasive in the younger generation. If I feel it, it must be true. And I'm denying myself and I'm not being authentic. So I got to change my whole world based on my feelings. Do it on your own is the lie that is feeding our, our generation. And these things are not true, right? We know that they're not true. These are strategies of the enemy to weaken us and keep us operating out of the kingdom of the world. A kingdom, sort of an animalistic kingdom in some ways. So how many of you guys know that when you're left on your own and left to your own devices, we barely survive, let alone thrive? Like when I'm, on my, when I'm on my own, when I'm separated from family and community and mentorship and God, I so, sort of like implode. And we all build these like mechanisms to try to like maintain that time bomb. But the truth is that if we separate ourselves from the community of God particularly and from God, pretty self-destructive. You know, there's something kind of inside of us that actually is like that. It's like, we're not an octopi that could just like self-sustain. <laughs> we will actually, there's something kind of broken in our DNA. We're destructive. I was uh, at the beach um, during the holidays and with my family and we decided to go on like a little night walk on the beach. And so we had, it was super dark and it's just the four of us, me and my two kids and Rachel. And we're, and by the way, Rachel would be here, but Eden is sick, but she gives her love. Um, so we're, we're kind of traversing the beach and we're looking for seashells and, and just kind of having a good time. And then we come across this, like the light shines and comes across this beautiful, like gorgeous, like sandcastle that someone had made during the day. It was like so detailed and meticulous. It was like awesome. I was like, wow. And like I had Lainey, my dog with me and I like kind of moved the light and then I moved my light back to the, to the sandcastle. And who knows, like many of you guys know Eden, she's two and a half. She's so sweet, so like wonderful. But when I turned the light back on, she was just like smashing the castle, just like smashing it and like just destroying it. Like just went to town. I'm like, babe, what are you doing? What are you doing? She just didn't even know. She's just like, I got to destroy this thing. <laughs> you know, I think there's something inside of us that still has that like impulse it's like, I just got to destroy this thing. Or I don't know, maybe it's not that dramatic, but there are just these things in us. It's like, man, it's easy to get into these like self-destructive modes, right? Where we're, whether we know it or not, we're accidentally or intentionally destroying the sandcastles of those around us, right? God wants to create something in us. He wants to create something in us and then through us but so often we, we find ourselves when we're on our own and left to our own devices, we just find ourselves sort of smashing the work of God around us. And I think of pride as a way that that happens. I think of greed, self-preservation greed. I think of lust. I think of gossip, just destroying the sandcastles of those around us and also ourselves. So we don't have what it takes to survive really and definitely not to thrive on our own. We, we're actually made to pattern after something. 
Like it's the way we have been created is, is meant to imitate and pattern ourselves after something. And so because of that nature, we're, we're either going to pattern ourselves after things that are life-giving or things that bring destruction. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. And Paul's writing to this context, and it's just this rich context in Rome, and, and he's, bringing, he's speaking the, the fulsome, robust vision of the gospel. And he's, in that is, is unity, right? He's talking about unifying a church. And so there's this, this line here in, in chapter 12, verse 2, I think it's so profound. Many of you guys know it. And it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do we, maybe you're asking the question, how do we counter the strategies of the world and the enemy and our own self-destructive sort of impulse? How do we resist being conformed into the pattern of the world and instead be transformed? Well, Paul, the apostle says it's by the renewing of your mind. But how does that happen? Well, this is what I want to talk about today, particularly through the lens, this, this, this huge lens of worship. Worship. Heaven's counter strategy to the strategy of the world is, is worship. So maybe you're like, really, worship? Okay. Worship does all of that. Like, so we come to church and maybe sing some songs. Like, I don't know about all of that. Maybe that's your thought. Well, the thing is, if you'd come and you sing some songs, it actually can start to transform you. But how many of you guys know that worship is so much more than that, yeah. right? It's so much more than that. I would love for us to go through a list here of expressions of worship together, okay? And <clears throat> today is Group Sunday, and we're continuing in the trajectory of worship. So I'm, I'm kind of synthesizing a lot of concepts here, but at the same time, it's not an expository teaching today. We'll get that, we'll, get, we'll go deeper into passages and unpack historical context and all that stuff in the future. But today, I want to give us kind of a vision of worship and community and how it transforms us. So let's go through this list. And it's it's not exhaustive, but it's pretty long, so track with me, but it's wonderful. And I'm going to read these passages coupled with these ideas. So the first one is singing. Singing is worship. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. The lifting of hands is worship. First Timothy, I want everyone everywhere to lift innocent hands towards heaven and pray without being angry or arguing with each other. Clapping our hands. We did a little bit of that today is worship. Psalm 47, come everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. Standing is worship. Exodus 33, Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. Kneeling or bowing equals worship. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Stillness 
equals worship. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Dancing equals worship. Second Samuel chapter six, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Shouting equals worship. Psalm 66, tell everyone on this earth to shout praises to God. Sing about his glorious name. Honor him with praises. Silence is worship. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. And lastly, contemplation is worship. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. There are so many more. I can go on and on and on. We have been called to worship. It's how we step in and transform into who God is calling us to be. And so I think if I can just propose, we need to, we, we, we need to stop reducing worship to just singing, right? It's so much more. You guys remember um, the surrender solution from last year? We were unpacking what it means to be a disciple maker. Our main mission is to be a disciple maker. And so pull up that graph there. And so this is uh, something that we've been working on. We're still kind of cooking. And it's sort of be uh, to help us as a tool and as a map to grow in um, spiritual formation and disciple making. And so this series about worship is actually at the heart of what it means to be a disciple. Because all of these things in this surrender solution cycle are acts of worship. And so when we practice these things, we are transformed into a disciple of Jesus. And then we begin to shine with the light and culture of heaven. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this, any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. <laughs> God is, a, he's got a standing invitation for us to step into new life, to step into th thriving and flourishing, to be transformed. And it's by learning and practicing how to express and pattern our life like heaven and like God himself. And so I want to read that passage for me that we started off with again, Zephaniah 3.17. This one's just been swelling in my heart. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. So worship is about receiving the heartbeat of the Father, his praise and his, his disposition towards you. Just receive that. He's, he's got gladness for you. And then to reflect that back to God and out into the world. It's about reflecting heaven. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need, I need to be more intentional about this. The world is, is a dark and anxious place. 
And so we need to reflect the goodness of heaven, the disposition of the Father, with the power of the Holy Spirit into our own bodies, right? These are the expressions of worship. That's what's happening. Light is pouring into the deep parts of you. And then we reflect that to each other and we reflect that into our dark and anxious world. This is how transformation happens and it's how the, it's, it's how the kingdom breaks in. <laughs> how many of you guys know of the Myers-Briggs personality test? You guys do? A few of you? I personally, I don't know how your opinions are, but I find it very uh, rewarding. I think it's not any kind of, it's not, any kind of special esoteric thing is just a template to help you learn a little bit more about your own personality and maybe those around you. I used to be a missionary and so this was very helpful. Oh, you have this temperament or this personality. Now I know why you're kind of functioning that way. We can be more harmonious on the team, for example. But I want to kind of do a breakdown of a little bit of the Myers-Briggs. So this is derived from, from psychologist Carl Jung. And I just want to go through these, these, this spectrum and these four lines here. And so you can put up that graph there. And so everyone basically fits within this, this spectrum to one degree or another, but probably uniquely. And so the first line is extroversion or introversion. And so this is like, this is a, okay, I, I love to get energy from being alone, actually. Like I love to just read a book or do some yard work or whatever the case may be and I'm supercharged and then I can give away that energy to people. Other people, they like need to be around other people. Like they, they love coming to church and having the corporate thing. They love going to parties or whatever, having the outward expressions and they, it fills them up. And so maybe just take note of where you land on that spectrum. Um, the next line is sensing and intuition. This is how you prefer to take in information. Okay, so maybe a sensor is probably a little bit more down to earth, a little bit more detail focused, um, probably sees the world more of a microscopic kind of way um, and is super talented at, at details and also tends to like take in information that they can see and sense. So these people might want to, like let's say they're having a quiet time or want to connect with God. They, being Sitting still and being by themselves is like not, that fun because there's nothing to sense. So they want to go for a walk in the woods or something like that. And then intuition is like really more abstract. It's about possibilities, a lot more creative, and they have a lot going on internally. It's not so much about what's coming in. It's just what's inside. And then thinking, the next line is thinking and feeling. And this is about how you prefer to make your decisions. So how do you make your decisions? Is it through logic and through thoughts and is it just, is it like I'm driven by what's, what I know to be right. This is what's written and here are the facts. Or are you driven more like, I just feel this and I have, and there's grace and there's, it's people and there's nuance and there's particularities to the context, right? And there's, there's a difference with that. So maybe think about where you land on that. And the last one is judging or perceiving. And this is how you prefer to live your outer life. And so the judger side is going to be a lot more orderly. You, even on your day off, might have like a little checklist that you want to do and like a little schedule that just gives you life and energy. Like you want that. And then the, perce the, like the perceiving side, it's like you're the opposite. Like my day off, I don't want to have anything planned. Go with the flow. And so these are, so the judgers, for example, at the end of church are like, like we got, 
I gotta go. <laughs> like we got, we've got things to do. That's time. It's time. And then the, and then the perceiver is probably like, no, the spirit's flowing, or like the people are connecting. And so there's a difference in personalities with that. And so it's good for us to embrace these things and then to just realize where we land on, on this spectrum so that we can be, I wanna encourage you to be intentional about swimming downstream on your preferences with your, with your personality. Like, it's okay. It's like, this is, this is what I need. And so swim downstream on that. So maybe the question for that is, what kind of worship, out of those expressions of worship, what kind of worship feeds my natural makeup and personality? And then prefer that. And then I also think though, we need to nurture our shadow side. Every one of us has a shadow side. And this is a really important term, especially in spiritual formation and theology, because there's a side of us that's oftentimes neglected. There's a part of us that's it's been neglected and so therefore it's undernourished. And so in this context, it might be the other side. Like you're, let's say you're an extrovert. The other side is your shadow side. You still have introvert in you. If you're a major extrovert, you still have introverts. So are you nurturing that and allowing that to be matured as well? And so God is calling us to be whole. He's calling us to come be healed and to be whole. And this is where, where flourishing takes place. It's on the other side of this journey of wholeness. This is what being a disciple of Jesus is all about. And worship does this. And the beautiful thing about this invitation as I sort of land the plane here, it's a little bit of a shorter message for time's sake, but the beautiful thing about all of this is we are called to do it in family. We're called to do it in community, the community of God. Family is God's design, right? We're not octopi swimming alone in the ocean. Like we are called to be in community. This is where we get fed and nourished. This is what Jesus is calling us into. How many of you guys know that we're supposed to be a family, right? Yeah. And, and people are messy. I'm messy, right? And so it's hard. And sometimes we feel like, like these, anic- these negative anecdotes of our own past kind of like superimpose our view of, of church or family. And it's like, no, church isn't that. But it is. And that's what we're here to do. And we, and we pursue with the help of God. Church is, is not an event that we go to. It's a family that we belong to. And so today, as Group Sunday, um, after some response time, we're going to peruse these different groups and say yes to the invitation of living life in family and to say yes to the invitation of being unified together and to commit to a group. It's not, and I want everyone, I really want to ask everyone to sign up. Like sign up with one that just works with your schedule. And 100% 100% participation is how we move forward. This is how we get strong as a church is when we get knotted together. And note, knotted, because sometimes it's, it's a little hard, but you're together, right? And so we do that together because we're not meant to live life alone. And worship helps with, help, worship helps with that.